Let's do. Today I'm going to talk to you about the culture of the kingdom. And uh, I feel really loud. Am I loud or is it just me? I'm okay out there? All right, I'm, all right, I'm good. I don't want to feel like I'm hollering at you, but I'm feeling really strong. Okay, I'm strong today. <laughs> okay, I want to talk to you about the culture of the kingdom of God. The culture of the kingdom of God. Um, and I want to begin by reading to you from the book of John, chapter 17, verses 9 through 19. And the setting is, this is the last prayer that Jesus would pray before he was arrested and crucified. And in this hour, he prays a very intimate prayer to his Father. It may be the most important prayer that has ever been prayed on the whole earth. As Jesus is coming to the climax of his earthly ministry and is about to become the sacrificial lamb at the cross. And he prays one final prayer. And I want us to look at a portion of it today and try our best to grasp the significance of what he's really wanting to say. Are you ready? I pray for them, Jesus said. I do not pray for the world, but for those who you have given me, for they are yours. And all, are, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I kept. And none of them is lost except the son of position that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Can you say amen? You sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also, a powerful word, a powerful word used in this last verse twice. It's the word sanctify. The word sanctify simply means to set apart, to distinguish, to, that through his, to mark as being holy and dedicated unto God. And Jesus said that through his word, he sanctified us. He sanctified us. He set us apart. He established us and distinguished us from the rest of the world. Notice that he said in these verses to his father in prayer, Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm just asking you to keep them from the evil one. So God's plan was not to a plan of escape. It was not a plan of rescue, but it was a plan of ultimate victory and conquest. 
that his people would be able to live under the influence of the evil one in a wicked and ungodly culture and still be godly and still do the will of God and still be sanctified, set apart unto God and that God would not take them out but that he would give them victory in. Today I'm talking to you about the culture of the kingdom. There is a culture of the world and then there is a culture of the kingdom. We are a culture within a culture. We live in the culture of America, but our personal culture must be the culture of the kingdom. We must understand that the culture around us we have little control over, some influence, but not a lot. But we are responsible for our own personal culture. I may live in America. I'm a native-born Texan. I love East Texas and I love Houston. And it's who I am and it just, the whole Texas thing just kind of emanates from me wherever I go. I remember in traveling around the world, uh, Renee and I were doing a revival up in Canada and uh, we were gathering quite a crowd of, of young people at the pastor's home and finally they told me while the kids were there, they said they just came to hear you talk. <laughs> so I'm all about Texas. But the fact is, my personal culture is not the culture of America, the culture of Texas, the culture of Houston. I have a personal culture, the culture of the kingdom of God. I can't change the culture of the world, but I have to have responsibility for my own personal culture and make sure that my personal culture is the culture of the kingdom. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. We're a part of the world. But the world, it does not govern us or control us because we are now in the kingdom of God. So let's study culture for a moment to make sure that we're all on the same page. I put a formal definition of the word culture on the screen for you so we would all be on the same page when I use this word culture. Here's a definition. The system of shared beliefs, values, customs, behaviors, and artifacts that the members of society use to cope with their world and with one another and that are transmitted from generation to generation through learning. In addition, the totality of socially transmitted behavior patterns, arts, beliefs, institutions, and all other products of human work and thought. Patterns, traits, and products considered as the expression of a particular period, class, community, or population. Again, the predominating attitudes and behavior that characterize the functioning of a people, people group, an organization or an institution. So businesses have a culture. Governments have a culture. Organizations have a culture. So it can be individuals and human beings, but it can also be entities that have a culture. And so that gives you an idea of, of what culture is from a, a formal definition standpoint of view. We've also identified seven basic elements of culture. All cultures, whether they be corporate cultures, individual cultures, um, people cultures, they all have these seven basic elements. First of all, they have a language. Secondly, they have an economic system. They have a religion. They have a social organization. They have, a, they have customs and traditions. They have government. Then they have the arts, literature, music, and fashion. And so uh, this kind of gives you an idea of the various elements of culture uh, that apply to people groups, that apply to institutions and, and organizations and individuals as well. Now, as I look at this, I realize that the kingdom of God has its own culture. So let's check the seven basic elements 
and find out if the kingdom has these distinctives. Well, there is a language of the kingdom culture. There is a language. You and I use certain verbiage, semantics, terminologies. We have a vocabulary that is unique to Christianity all around the world. Doesn't mean it's exclusively at ours, but Christians have a unique vocabulary. If you're a child of God, you're a worshiper of Jesus Christ, you're a student of the Bible, much of your vocabulary is shaped and formed by the Bible and the fact that you're a Christian. Christians in non Christian settings often say things like, Amen! Hallelujah! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus! We use words like blessed. Man, I'm just blessed. Other people say I'm lucky. We're not lucky. We're blessed. And, and, and so we have our unique language because the kingdom is a culture of its own. And so the more you walk with God, the more it impacts the language that you use. Secondly, economic system. The kingdom of God operates on the free will tithe and offerings of God's people. There's no taxation. There's no demand. It's just simply free will gifts. People bring their tithe and their offerings because they believe in God, they believe in the kingdom, and that's the way God set it up. We have our own economic system. Religion, of course, the religion is Christianity. We're the largest Christ, uh, religion in the world. Uh, we're, we constitute almost 30% of the population of the earth at one form of Christianity or the other, and we have a full form of religion now um, as a culture. Social organizations, we have all kind of ministries and local churches and Christian organizations that people get together, organize themselves for some purpose or cause. Customs and traditions, I mean Christianity's got all kind of wonderful customs and traditions. The way we celebrate Christmas and Easter and, and our sacraments and baptisms and baby dedications, just we just have a whole plethora of wonderful traditions and customs that are unique to the kingdom of God. Uh, government, obviously, uh, we're, this is a, a theocracy, meaning that we're governed by God and God chooses certain men and women that he leads his people through. There are the five-fold ministry and then there's the, the local church government and, and then there's the wonderful people of God. We have a unique government that governs the church. And finally, there's arts, literature, music, and fashion. Um, and of course, the church is full of its own unique music. Um, we sing unique songs, the words, the melody, the tune, the style. It, it's, it's, it's similar to what secular music is in sound. As secular music changes, the church music changes. But th there's, no, there's no music in the world like kingdom music. Uh, the message, the sound, the impact it makes upon you. The kingdom of God is a culture unto itself. We have literature from the Bible, starting with the Bible, all kind of, of literature that we have. We have arts and fashion and styles. And so what I'm telling you is that the kingdom of God is a unique culture within a culture. And it impacts virtually every area of our life. And as an individual, when I gave my, Lord, my heart and life to Jesus Christ and asked him to come in and be my Lord and Savior, I embraced the culture of the kingdom. And my personal culture had to be transformed into the culture of the kingdom. Before you're saved, you're a part of the world. You operate on the basis of the world. But when you get saved, your culture, your personal culture begins to transform to the culture of the kingdom of God. 
the culture is greatly based on value systems and belief systems. Because of these values and beliefs, we have corresponding character and codes of contact, conduct. And we based our value system and our belief system on what the, the teachings of the Holy Bible. And that's where we build our value system and we build our belief systems from that. What are some of the values of the kingdom of God? I guess there could be a long list, but I, I thought I would just share with you three of the primary values of the kingdom of God that distinguishes us from the culture of the world. If values, if, if culture is built from values and belief system, what are the primary values of the kingdom of God? Uh, first of all, in the, the culture, the kingdom value is this. I value being in right relationship with God and pleasing Him. You want to talk about one of my core values? You want to talk about one of my big values? I value being right with God and living pleasing before Him. That is a massive value. And every other value in my life falls secondary to this one value. I want to have a right relationship with God and I want to be pleasing to Him. The second great value of the kingdom is that we value being transformed into His character and image. You know, you become like whomever you worship. And if you worship God, you automatically take on His character, His image, and His nature. If you worship a, an entertainer, a vocalist, a musician, a great athlete, or a great actor or actress, if you worship those people, you begin to conform unconsciously. You conform to whoever you admire, whoever you worship, whoever you spend your time and money and give your focus on. You are transformed into their image. So as a child of God, it is a value system that I want to be transformed into His image and His character. And simply put, I want to be like God. I want to be like God. Uh, and so when I worship Him, when I study the Scripture, when I walk with Him in my personal relationship, more and more, who He is becomes who I am. And that is a huge value for you and I as kingdom people. A third great value, and I'll stop with this one, is to do His will in my life and to accomplish His purpose in the earth. That is a massive value system for me. Um, I realize that we live in a wonderful country. It's called the land of opportunity. And there's so many things young people can choose to be and choose to do. And we often tell our children, you can be anything you want to be and go anywhere you want to go and do anything you want to do. And that's a wonderful thing to tell your kids, to, to inspire them to dream and, and to have big goals and do great things in life. But the culture of the kingdom is this, I was born on purpose, created by God. And when He created me, He gave me a purpose, He gave me a cause, He gave me gifts and abilities to, to accomplish that purpose. And I can't just flip through a, a, a college course manual and pick out something and say, oh, I think I'll be this. But I'm a child of God. He created me on purpose, for a purpose. And so we spend our lives saying, Father, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to be? 
My life is yours. This is a culture of the kingdom. It's not a worldly thing. The world says, be whatever you want to be. And the child of God says, Father, I'll be whatever you want me to be. So I have a, a, a daddy story I love to tell. And, um, my oldest, Randon, was probably three or four years old. We were driving home from church one night, and he was over in the right-hand seat. That was before the days of car seats, so we just put him in the front seat, and, you know, that was the way it was. And so he's over there in the front seat of my truck, and, and he, he and I are just having this grown-up talk, and he's about three or four years old. And, and um, I had a serious moment, and I said, uh, Randon. What do you want to be when you grow up? Without giving it much thought, he said, Dad, I'll be anything you want me to be. He don't ever remember that, but I'll never forget it. <laughs> Dad's heart just became like mush, and tears came down in my eyes. And I said, Son, I want you to be whatever you want to be. And I promise you that I'll help you be whatever you want to be. And in that moment, God showed me that when we humble our health selves before the Lord, and we say, Father, I'll be whatever you want me to be. He says, okay, let's talk about it. What do you want to be? And I'll help you be that. And it'll be great. That's the heart of your Father. And so the third culture of the kingdom is believing that you have a purpose in committing your life to it. Now, I'm going to have to skip down and speed up because the Lord had a, some di something different than what I had planned, and I like it that way. So I'm going to drop down and skip some parts and just uh, come right down to the core, then we'll be finished today, all right? Is that okay? So not all culture is bad. Not every piece of the culture in America is bad. You have to know that, you know, the style clothing you choose to wear, the way you wear your hair, that's not important to God. Um, the kind of music you listen to, the style, there's all kind of music styles. God likes all music styles. He, he, he doesn't have like one he likes better than other. There's not one evil and one not. The message can be evil. The messenger can be evil. But by and large, the style of music is generic. Um, the food we eat. Uh, just, there's just a whole wonderful things in culture that's not good or bad. It's just culture. And there's nothing holy about being dated, dressing like 25 years ago, listening to old, old music. I mean, there's nothing godly about that. I mean, if you want to, go ahead. I mean, it's fine. But there's nothing like makes you holy or evil. And so there's just all kind of things that are neither good or bad, that are in the culture, that are part of our life, that we accept as a 21st century human being, citizen of America. But we know that the culture of America is growing increasingly wicked. And we know that we can't embrace all the culture that is around us. But yet it's everywhere and it's being poured on us and in us all the time. And therefore, we have to filter the current culture and decide 
what's going to come in and be a part of my personal culture and what I will not allow to be a part of my personal culture. What we need is a filter. Now, you and I are familiar with filters. They're all over our house, all over our lives. I've got a filter for my water. I have a filter for my air condition. I have a filter for my computer. I've got a filter for my phone. I've got a filter for my car. We're just full of filters because we know there are things that we want to strain out, things we want to filter out, things we do not want to be, we don't want that are harmful, so we filter the water, filter the air, filter the computer, on and on. So as you and I are living in the world, we have to filter the culture of the world so that the culture of the world, the impure qualities, our uh, elements do not come into us and become a part of our personal culture. It's not all bad. It's just we want to make sure that we filter out things that are not good. And so I brought my little Brita here today, and it's pretty cool. You pour water in the top, and it goes through this uh, little filter you see here in the bottom. And then when the water comes out the bottom, uh, it's, it's, it's pure water it's because it's been filtered. And uh, this little uh, Brita, it, you know, it, it takes out a lot of properties, a lot of unhealthy things that I don't want in my body. And so I try to drink filtered water. Now, you know, I, I've, I grew up in, in a little more of a rural setting. We had a, a well in our backyard, and we drank water out of that well. It was about a 25-foot well. That's all it was. And we drank water out of the well for a long time growing up. And then finally we got city water. And so we started feeding the animals uh, well water, and we started drinking city water. And then when I got to be an adult, somebody had the bright idea to start bottling water. Now, I remember the day if somebody said, oh, we're going to start pouring water in bottles and selling bottles of water, they'd think, are you crazy? Nobody's going to buy a bottle of water, but what happened? We decided that the water we're drinking had elements in it that was not healthy, and we needed more pure water if we wanted to be healthy in our bodies. So we started straining and purifying water, putting it in bottles, and selling it. And so we have to understand that the culture has to be filtered so that we can have a culture of the kingdom and be in the world but not of the world. Be a 21st century person with, but at the same time not have the same value system, the same belief systems, and the same lifestyles of people that don't know Jesus. We need to be filtered. So before I just accept what Hollywood produces, what the news media produces, what secular educators produce. I want to make sure it's been filtered before it becomes a part of my personal culture. You know, we're like fish. Fish swim in the water, right? Some body of water. And the fish is in the water, and the water is in the fish. And the fish influences the water. Like there's a difference in drinking out of this glass than scooping it up out of the canal or the lake because there's all kind of fish and plant life in there and the plant life affects the water so we want to make sure it's purified before we drink water that fish swim in right now I've done that a lot in my life but less and less you know as time goes on that's not cool anymore <clears throat> but then again not only is the fish in the water but the water's in the fish we found out if there are pollutants in the water there's going to be pollutants in that fish 
I go out there and catch that fish and bring it home and put it in a pan and eat it, fry it and eat it, then whatever pollutant was in the water got in the fish and now I've eaten the fish and now the pollutant's in me. So now we're all concerned about making sure we're eating fish out of good clean water because we, we don't want to eat fish that are contaminated and therefore contaminate our body. So the fish is in the water and the water is in the fish. And whatever's in the water is in the fish and whatever's in the fish is kind of like in the water. And that's the way you and I are. We are fish swimming in a water. And we have to be careful that we have a filter in our lives to make sure that whatever is in the water of the culture around us, the school we go to, the place we work, the neighborhood, the friends, and all the things we do to make sure that the pollutants in the world don't somehow get in us. Jesus said this to the Father in his last prayer for me and you. He said, I have given them your word. I have shared the truth with them. And they're sanctified. They've been filtered. They've been strained by the truth. So today I'm talking to you about a filter. And it's the filter of God's word. We spend our lives studying this book. It's a filter. And we compare with what we're hearing and seeing around us with what God said thousands of years ago. And say, Father, if, if it doesn't pass, if, it, if it's not right, it won't go through the filter of the of Scripture. If it's generic, if it's okay, it's not a problem, it'll go right through here and can become a part of my life. But if it won't go through the filter of God's Word, then it can't become a part of my belief system, my value system, my character, my habits, my lifestyle. It just can't be. Everything has to go through the filter of God's Word. And that's the only way we're going to be sanctified or set apart. You see, my personal culture is a culture that is a part of America, looks like America, feels like Texas and all that. But all that culture has been filtered through the Bible to develop my personal culture so that I'm living the culture of the kingdom, not just your typical male Texan, Houston resident, whatever. My personal culture. You know, we have to filter our marriage culture. We can't conduct marriage like the world conducts marriage and just do it any other way like we see portrayed on Hollywood and by friends around us. Our, our marriage has to be filtered. Our families have to be filtered. Our business has to be filtered. Our, our, our financial management has to be filtered. Our, our, our pleasure has to be filtered. Uh, what we put in our home and don't put our, it has to be filtered. And, and the music we listen to, it has to be filtered. And if it comes, if it'll get through the Bible, it's good. If it won't get through the Bible, it, it can't be a part of it. So that's how we develop the culture of the kingdom. And that's how we're a culture within a culture. We have to strain everything through God's Word, test everything, and make sure that God's pleased with it. Then we try to make it a part of our lives. It's not a one-time event. It's not something that happens at the point of your salvation. It's a lifelong deal. There's a new norm being established every day in America. Every, every year we're like, wow, I've never seen this before, but now it's common. Could be good, could be bad, but it's a new norm. Every few, every year, there's a new norm in America. 
So we got to go back to the filter and say, let's see if this new norm is going to come through the filter of God's Word, or does God's Word rule that out? Are you with me here today? How many of you got your filter? Hold up your filter. Look at there. You got your phone? Hold up your phone. Hold up your phone. It's okay. You got an iPad? Hold it up. You know, it used to be a leather-bound book. still is, but it's not just leather-bound. It's digital. So I, I got my filters here today. Got my filters. Father, I thank you for the filter of your word, for the truth of your word. Help us, oh God. Help us, oh God, to live the culture of your kingdom. I thank you, Father, for having prayed for us. Thank you for having prayed for us. You know, when Christ prayed that prayer, he saw us sitting right here this morning in the 21st century, Houston, Texas. He saw us sitting here. That's why he prayed for us to make sure we knew that we can live sanctified in this world. Not perfect, obviously not. Nobody's preaching perfection. But we can live as children of God. And we can live the kingdom culture even in this day and time that we live in. You know, if you're struggling to live for God, He understands. He understands that you would be in the world, but not of the world. That you'd be subject to the world, affected by the world. But He would save you from the world. That he would help you. If you've got things going on in your life that you're not proud of and you're a little bit ashamed of, listen, just know that God understands he's on your side and he wants to help get that out of your life. He's not here to condemn you, make you feel small or worthless or helpless. He's here to help you and lift you up. He cares about you. And he's ready and able to forgive. God forgives the sins of our past, the sins of our present, And even those sins we've yet to commit, he's already made allowance for all of those. Not so we could continue, but so he could help us through those things and we could overcome those things. And meanwhile, not be concerned about our salvation. So just draw close to God and let him help you in every area of your life. That's why he came. That's why he died, so that we could be overcomers. I want to pray for you today. Father, help us to be overcomers, to overcome the world that we live in, the influences around us, and also the carnal nature within us. Help us, oh God, to live your culture, to be an expression of you in the earth. Forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and make us be more like you. I pray this by faith, in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen.